dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. Welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Yes, I still have the sexy voice going on, but things are moving forward. So weeks since my surgery and I took my first full shower. Hooray! And people, nobody's been around me except my son who came and visited me on New New Year's Eve to watch some college football. So if he could smell me, he never told. Well, after we come back, as I promised you on the last podcast, we would do a recap of the year 2023 from the start, from the craziness to the end, which even had more craziness going on to anger and pain. Yeah, I know about pain. Well, I did know about pain. I'm not in pain, so nobody freak out. But um, we will recap the year and maybe even take a peek into 2024. Here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. When you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. In a world filled with distractions, one law firm stands tall, fighting for justice. Bradshaw and Bryant. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. We take our mission very seriously. Our firm is dedicated to representing those who have suffered due to the fault of others, especially when they're distracted by their phones. Four seconds, that's all it takes to travel the length of a football field, but those same four seconds can change lives forever. Don't be the person who causes irreversible damage to others or yourself. Put your phone down when you're behind the wheel and be aware of your surroundings. Bradshaw and Bryant have championed the rights of the injured for over three decades. We excel at what we do. Bradshaw and Bryant is ready to fight for you. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Play this record as frequently as possible. Then, as it becomes easier for you, play the record once a day or as needed. I'm back and as the song said and as I said before I went to commercial break it feels good to have a shower today boy do I feel human all right enough enough of that I guess you probably don't want to know about the personal habits of your host anyway top stories to recap the year 2023 and it was crazy Colorado University hired our guy Coach Prime, Deion Saunders, Sanders, and there was a lot of hype, smoke, talk going on with what would be going on with Colorado. Ticket sales were through the roof. People wanted to see what was going on. They got uh, games on ESPN and Fox at the beginning of the season. 
and drew uh, big big numbers like 12 million viewers per game and then actually won their first was it three four game and then things started to catch up with them as uh, as the competition got harder and schools figured out they had no offensive line to protect Shamir Sanders and that their defensive line could be pushed around and held at bay from rushing the quarterback. Now, they won four games, which was three more than the season before, and I think even the season before that. So the arrow's up on Colorado football, and they're signing big-time recruits and big-time players out of the transfer portal as he did the year before. So there will be pressure on Coach Dion to uh, get even better as they move into the Big 12 next year to play uh, football. He brought a lot of pizzazz, interest, and sellouts, and national interest. For me, Dion was a success. There was a lot of naysayers, and yes, I said naysayers, who thought that Dion was a complete failure and a bust. But you got to remember something. Those were people who needed, were either recruiting against Dion or just hated what he was bringing to the college game as far as the eyeballs and the other things, you know. They hated the fact that he could hold his players accountable and that they respected that. Whereas a lot of coaches are struggling and drowning on that factor when the season is over with losing 13 to 20 players off their roster who didn't see that as a designation to stay to complete their time. And they just thought their best chance was to talk negatively about Dion. Whereas he never talked negative about anybody. He always praised the coaches that beat him. He always praised the teams that they beat. He even praised the young man that injured one of his best ball players. Never got down on him. And his best ball player even cut a video with that kid and forgave him. So when you have leadership like that, you got a hell of a start than everybody else that's recruiting talent out there. Another topic that stuck around just won't go away, of course, is NIL. There were some gains in NIL because the adults in the room finally started to figure out that they needed to maybe come to the table and discuss things if to make sure that they don't badmouth it anymore. College football coaches and leadership is the only sports that sport that talks bad about their sport in a negative view and gets away with it. People don't walk away because, you know, everybody's tied to their school or their the school nearest their hometown. So they put up with the negative vibes. But yes, you hear coaches complaining, this is out of control, and people are poaching my players and stealing my players because they can pay them more money, and this, that, and the other. Well, and I'll talk about this more in, in when, I, when I get to a different topic. But this is part of the reason why TV contracts are becoming more and more important. But I'll talk about that further on. But the... Uh, and they claimed that people would stop watching if this didn't get under control, if you started paying athletes, if you this, that, and the other. TV numbers have never been higher. People are not running away from the sport. 
viewers are running to the sport. Again, I guess the old adage, any publicity is good publicity, works. Because as it's stated, you hear nothing but negative from coaches and ADs and school presidents about NIL as the players themselves seem to be pretty happy about it. Some coaches thought with their players making a lot of money that the players would become uncoachable, that they would lose their locker room because it would be divided over who makes more money than who and crazy things like that. Never came about. Players just made their money. They were happy for a teammate to get a big deal. Quarterbacks were smart. If they had big deals, they took care of their people that were making them look good. So it became a win-win. The college football playoff has proved that with a good NIL base and a very good use of the transfer portal, making teams better and even leveled out the playing field whereas the competition was even better. You didn't have a, a team that was just dominant all season long. I know some people would say, well, Georgia didn't lose to the end of the season. Georgia had a lackluster schedule. They didn't play. I think they played maybe LSU and Ole Miss in the uh, SEC and didn't play Bama until the conference championship game. And their non-conference games were just ridiculous. Now, I do understand they were scheduled to play Texas this year. But the conference told them, why don't you move that game back because we're bringing in Texas and you have a home-and-home. Home. So it will just, you know, the first year you will go there and the second year they would come to you and that will smooth out your home-and-home. Home. But yes, it brought about... It brought about competitive, more competitive games. And as you can see, with the outcome of the college football playoffs, games that came down to the final play in both instances and just, just tight nail biters and very, into, very, very interesting, compelling games for the, for the playoff and for a lot of the season. As, like I said, nobody really dominated college football even Michigan and Washington all the way through had nail biter games where one play here and one play there they probably wouldn't even have made the college football playoff the portal or it's officially called the transfer portal is mocked in Dr. Pepper ads and has coaches and administrator whining like toddlers they're complaining their rosters are being poached by other schools well, here's a little secret, as they do the same. Oddly enough, no one is turning in any other schools for poaching because they're doing it themselves and don't want to be turned in. So, so when you hear them whining and complaining, pay no attention. Again, college coaches, football coaches especially, are some of the most whiningest people you will ever listen to because... Their job's on the line. They've never lost a recruit just because the other school recruited them. It's because the other school is paying them more, or the other school is cheating, or the other school is poaching, but it's never their fault. Well, here's the thing about this whole poaching thing. They're not contacting kids directly. They're going through agents. 
agents and former high school and their high school coaches and whatnot, people that still have the young people's ears and they're making it known to those people, hey, Johnny's not happy at, at Southern Miss. We'll take him at Alabama without a problem. And again, school's not poaching. They're just using the means that are out there to grab talent to co convince them. Now, people have got to understand there are lots and lots of negative things that happen to players when they make those decisions. They're not guaranteed starting positions. And let's face it, a lot of coaches coaches are now using it to, to build death, depth. Now, what that means is that player, if they're not scheduled to start the next year, will probably transfer again. And also, uh, a change in the one transfer rule and then set it on your second, the ENC2A has given in after losing another court case and is now telling people you will be immediately eligible for your second transfer. This is one point the NCAA needs to just give in on, which is, go ahead, keep transferring, because at some point, guess what they're not going to be? They're not going to be eligible to play because their grades aren't going to keep transferring with them. One school won't be able to get them in with the grades and transcripts from another school. That's what's going to stop this. It's not... Uh, more rules, more re regulations, making them sit out this, that, and the other. When the young people figure out, man, I can't go to that other school. I can't go to any other schools. I got to sit here, get my grades up, ball out again, and then maybe transfer after that year. So that's what's going to stop them. The NC2A has finally figured that out. So they're not going to fight the second and third transfer anymore. They're still going to grant the graduate transfer, but they're just going, just basically just going to throw their hands up, not fight anymore, not waste money in courts that could be used in other ways to help athletes. They just got to get smarter about the portal. Also, if you got coaches and ADs leaving for greener pastures, why can't players? The players learn this from the the adults in the room, from their leaders. If I if I'm at a smaller pond and I got a chance to get to a larger pond, well, why wouldn't I do it? Well, that's the same thing that college ads and coaches have been doing. The players have just learned it from the adults in the room by watching them and just getting it. And just doing what they what they see, they just mimic the adults that they see. So they, it's just stupid all the way around to keep fighting this thing. If the kid doesn't want to be at your school, why would you want him there? And don't give me the old, well, they know our plays and all that other stuff. It doesn't matter. As Dion said earlier this year, you still have to execute. They could know your signs, your signals. They could have five players that played for the other school you still have to execute with the, the portal the portal is bringing competitiveness and it's evening out the the landscape you're not going to have these dominant teams they might be dominant for a year and then they're going to come back to the pack 
the following year because player movement, like you see in pro sports, evens, evens things out with the use of NIL and the transfer portal. Schools will not be, like Georgia and Alabama, will not be able to stockpile the top talent in their school on their depth chart. For the first time ever, the top 10 recruits in college football signing for 2024 season went to 10 different schools. And that's because of NIL and also the evening out, evening out of the transfer portal. And it's just going to just going to make games tighter. It's going to be great viewing for us, the fans. And if you can't get your NIL straight and you don't know how to use the portal, that's how you're going to fall behind. Conference realignment. We say four new schools. We saw, I'm sorry. We saw four new schools join the Big 12 beginning of this uh, 2023. And that was a Central Florida, Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston. Took took a jump to the Power 5 from the G5. And everybody was happy. It solidified the Big 12. We all thought that conference realignment was dead and gone. Well, there was a problem. The Pac-12 couldn't get its act together and get a TV contract. And once their inability to do that, and then the networks finally saying, ah, let's, let's ignore this and it'll go away, and finally killed off the, con- the conference, first made Colorado decide to leave the uh, Pac-12 to rejoin the Big 12, which they were a member of. And then other schools in the pack started to breathe heavily on their commissioner, George Klyovkov, saying, we need the deal now. We want to see the deal. And he was still hesitating and whatnot. But then the only network that stepped forward, which was Apple, finally put in a deadline and said, either take our deal or we're done by this date. Well, what that forced the Pac-12 to do was sit down as a conference, vote on this deal. And when it was announced that it was only going to be $22 million a year per school and tied into subscriptions, basically just like the Pac-12 network, schools were just saying they were out. People like Arizona backdoored their way into the Big 12 but made it seem like other schools had jumped first. And then the Big Ten finally pounced because they saw that they needed to grasp Oregon and Washington, the two big contenders left in the Pac-12. Well, not the Big Ten per se. The Big Ten was pushed by Fox to grab Oregon and Washington to add more inventory, to add better games. You know, the Big, the Big, 12, the Big Ten was leaving its division play. The TV people wanted more, better games for their second game and their third game and so on every week in the Big Ten. So they took Oregon and Washington, which you can see right now, Washington made it to the final of the college football playoff to play against Michigan. Technically, there's two Big Ten teams playing in the college football playoff. Oregon 
who was a play away from probably doing what Alabama did to Georgia. They had their chance against Washington, but fell short and would have probably made the college football playoffs themselves. The presidents and of the Big Ten wanted Stanford and Cal. Yes, Stanford and Cal, not Oregon and Washington. They weren't thinking TV revenue. They weren't thinking bigger viewership. They were thinking research dollars that Cal and Sanford would bring and the prestige, academic prestige that those two schools would bring to the Big Ten because the Big Ten still wants to pound its chest about academic supremacy and research, uh, research leadership, and that's what they wanted. But Fox, who drives the steering wheel when it comes to the Big Ten, said, no, Oregon and Washington. And that left the remaining schools of, B, uh, not BYU, of Utah and Arizona State and Oregon State and Washington State and Cal and Sanford looking for a place to go. Because remember, UCLA and USC were already scheduled to join the Big Ten in 2024. So the Big Ten had taken the two, uh, the four top schools, the two top pairs from the Pac-12 and added them to the Big Ten. It left those schools dangling out there. Stepped up next was the Big 12 and their commissioner. And he jumped forward and decided to take Utah who still thinks they're a Big Ten school. I don't know why people in Utah and why people in the press think that Utah is a better fit than, in the Big Ten than the the Big 12. I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't. It doesn't work for me. Just my opinion, but it just doesn't work for me. But they took Utah. They took Arizona State along with Arizona and Colorado, who was already coming in to add to their, which they're now making super conference. I believe they're up to 16. They're adding no schools, which then left the Pac-4. <laughs> yes, they were, for weeks we were calling it the Pac-4, which was Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State. And it looked like they were just going to be stuck and maybe having to form a conference called the Pac-12 and then living off playing uh, decent non-conference games and maybe a schedule, get the schedule like Oregon State would get to schedule uh, Oregon and Washington State would get to schedule Washington, but it would still not give them a full schedule, so then they would probably have to look to another conference to finish off their schedule. Lo and behold, Notre Dame stepped up. Not to save the Pac-12, but to save the ACC because Florida State and other schools are starting to make noise. And Notre Dame knows that if Florida State and Clemson and North Carolina and Miami leave, they're going to lose the ACC and they're going to lose their sweetheart deal. What is their sweetheart deal? All their sports, except for football, play in the ACC. Football remains independent and gets a big check from NBC every year. So they get money equal to the Big Ten in the SEC as an independent. They will be the sole independent that will keep that going. Plus, they fear that if the ACC falls apart, they will now finally be forced 
to join a conference. A TV network will, or TV, yeah, network or media network will force them to join a conference. And the one that would make sense would be the Big Ten. But think about the chaos that would be caused if Notre Dame joined the SEC. It would bring craziness. A flag planted right in the heart, miles away from Chicago, the conference office of the Big Ten. Right in the heart in the central of Big Ten country, there would be an SEC flag. Would Notre Dame do that out of spite? Maybe, because there's been wars about not getting in and then not accepting invites from the Big Ten that date back to 1903. They could be spiteful, but also NBC could say to them, we can sweeten the deal that the Big Ten is getting if you join us and you would get a full share. And of course, Fox would sign on the dotted line. There's still a lot of possible chaos and may mayhem out there. So Notre Dame's first strike was to convince the ACC somehow. And I'm still trying to figure that out because number one, Notre Dame, who, like I said, is an independent in football, gets to vote on what goes on in the ACC. And they can see the writing on the wall, like I stated, that if those schools, other schools leave, they're going to need to backfill with other schools. So they convinced the ACC to take, to take Cal and Stanford. Now the ACC somewhat has a east to west reach itself. And better, even better re, uh, research and academics. I know I keep saying this and people go, well, what is that about? Believe me, presidents at universities want that because it builds up their billion dollar trust funds that they're sitting on endowments that they sit on and they don't touch they tell you they're for a rainy day but they never get to touch them we went through COVID, and schools never didn't got they didn't get to touch them they'll give you a loan from those endowments for your athletic department but they will not, even though the money is being built off the back of the athletes, they will not touch those endowments for athletes. With the style, uh, style, <laughs> Cal and Stanford joining the, a, uh, the ACC, a school in Texas decided, hey, you guys need a school in Texas to be a part to kind of keep this line east and west going and we'll join and we'll take no tv or media rights money for nine years and that was smu sm yes smu the one the ponies the one that were on the only school that received the death penalty in college athletics to the point the ncaa has stated basically they will never do that again they have found other ways to punish schools but smu always wanted to be in a power five or power four conference they thought they belonged in a power four conference and they're willing to pay for it themselves their boosters met and raised 240 million dollars for their athletic department to make this happen so they will literally be living off their split of the college football playoff the money their boosters raised and that's it because they you know they'll get like everybody does a, sh a share of the 
basketball tournament and all those other things. But they're taking a big risk, but they believe that they can make it happen, that they're the school that the ACC needs because they need a school in Texas. After basically all the other schools have been moved into Power 5 schools, SMU has joined Stanford and Cal into joining the ACC. And so now you somewhat have an even larger ACC going forward. So now you have these super conferences, whereas the Big Ten is a super-duper conference because of 18 teams. And they would uh, cut off their nose to add Notre Dame and probably either North Carolina or Miami and call it a day after that. Talking about this, one thing I can tell you, it's not going to be a dead subject in 2024. It's going to heat up during college football offseason, and you might as well get ready for it because it's going to happen. I'm not going to make a promise on where it's going to go. Oh, I forgot. The Pac-2, Oregon State and Washington State, they did get agreements from their neighbors. Oregon State will play against Washington State, and Washington will play against Washington State. And they have done a scheduling alliance with the Mountain West Conference. Now, nobody's joining anything, but they have a scheduling agreement. And so outside of that game and and another non-conference game that they can pick up, all their games are going to be with the Mountain West. And they're eligible to play in the conference playoff. This is a big deal for those two schools who are just left to rot. And people are like, why is this a big deal? Because here's the other thing that happened. They want a court case. They have now the ex, uh, the assets and money of the Pac-12 to control the do what they want. Valued at like $500 million. And they still have the name of the Pac-12. So after this first year, they could probably convince some Mountain West schools. And the Mountain West right now is like, you're going to take us all or none of us. But you know, (laughs) Dollar Talks, they could take eight schools or ten schools from the Mountain West and guess what they would be called again? (laughs) You got it. The Pac-12. So the Pac-12 isn't officially dead yet. It's called... (laughs) People call it the Pac-2, but they got the money and they got the know-how to do what they want to do and keep going. And as Jesse Jackson used to say, keep hope alive. The college football playoff happened, or at least was named, in 2023, for 2023. Sat there and the first school that popped up was Michigan. Yeah, won the Big Ten, won the conference playoff, convincing manner. And so they were the number one slot in the college football playoff. Washington did the same thing with the last days of the Pac-12, winning the regular season and postseason tournament and um, was slotted number two. And this is where things got interesting. 
you had another undefeated conference champion, Florida State, sitting out there with no losses. No school in the Power Five history had never been left off the the playoff. They won the, their conference playoff. It wasn't pretty. They were playing with their third string quarterback because their starter broke his leg. I kind of know what he's going through. And the backup in that championship, uh, the game before the championship, received a concussion and was not able to work his way out of concussion protocol to play in the playoff conference playoff game. So they had to go with their third string quarterback and try to win the conference playoff, which they did. It wasn't pretty. They won it. So they thought they had a rightful stake to be the third team to be seated in the CFP, which meant that the winner of Georgia, Alabama could possibly be there, or Texas, which had beat Alabama, if Alabama beat Georgia, thought they were the rightful owner of the fourth spot. The committee met, and the FSU screw job happened. You heard of the Bret Hart screw job? This was the Florida State University screw job, as they didn't take into account that Florida State would be getting back its number two quarterback in time for the college football playoff because there was a about a month from the playoff game to when they played the play first round of playoff games that the they would get their number two back, they would get them up to speed, and they would be a somebody to deal with in the college football playoff. The committee went with this rule, which I hope gets struck after this year, about injured players basing it on one player to the point that the poor kids said, I wish I would have broke my leg earlier in the season if it was going to happen. Just just craziness. Well, they unveiled the teams. It was Michigan, Washington. Then that big A popped up. And then it was down to, is, was it going to be Florida State? Was it going to be Georgia? Was it going to be Texas? People were thinking... Now you were going to have two SEC schools to fight two Big Ten schools. Well, that fourth spot came up. And if they were putting Alabama number three for beating Georgia in the SEC playoff, then there was only one school really to go in the fourth spot. And that was Texas. And Texas was put in. So, because like I stated earlier, Texas beat Alabama during the regular season. Well, we got to the playoff games. First game went down to the wire. Michigan had control for most of the game. Let Alabama in late. Came down to the last play. Alabama had problems with snaps the whole day from the center to the quarterback. And on the last play, the ball didn't touch the ground, but it was low, delayed the quarterback even more. And then Michigan's DN, number five, I don't know his name, trucked <laughs> the offensive tackle for Alabama and pushed him three yards back into the path of the quarterback. 
who tripped over him. Ball game over. Michigan's in the final game. The Big Ten's got a team in finally. The the last time, the only other teams from the Big Ten, we once had Michigan State in once. And then, of course, Ohio State, which won the first one, into um, had been in a couple of other times. And, of course, Michigan had been in a couple of times but lost the first game. But now they're in the final. The second game featured Washington, University of Washington versus Texas. And it went back and forth, matching touchdowns and this, that, and the other, and big shots and big blows, and both teams just taking it to each other. And then finally, Washington kind of took command of the game and almost knocked out Texas starting quarterback, which a lot of people were salivating on because they wanted to see the backup. They wanted to see the golden child, Arch Manning, come in and save the day for Texas. What a hell of a story that would have been and that would have happened. But Ewer stayed into the game and drove Texas late down the field to score to make the game close. And then Washington had a chance to run out the clock by just kneeling on three plays and then punting. Well, they decided to hand off the football because they were going to show that they could kill the game by earning one more first down. Well, not only did they not do that, they got the running back hurt, which caused an injury timeout, which stopped the clock with 56 sec- seconds left. Okay, you're still thinking, we just punt the ball, get it down there, bury them, make them play the full length of the field, and the long snapper from Washington goes down there and interferes with a fair catch, giving Texas life. 56 seconds and near uh, the 50-yard line. Got closer with another penalty and got closer with short throws and another penalty. And all of a sudden you looked up and Texas is on the 12 with about 10 seconds left. And... They threw, I think, a pass that went for short yardage and then an incomplete pass to set up the last play of the game, which was defended greatly by the defensive back of Washington, knocked the play down, and now you have two teams vying for the champion of the 2023 season, the 2024 college playoff game, final game. And they both happen to be one is a full member of the Big Ten and the other is months away from being a full member of the Big Ten. So the Big Ten, theoretically, basically, however you want it, will have two teams in that game and will have the champion of that game. No SEC the Big Ten. Well, I will come back after this, put a bow on this episode. I want to thank Mike Bryant, as usual, of Bradshaw and Bryant Law Firm for his support of this podcast and also linksart.com. I didn't say link. I didn't say let let a naysayer know 
I said linksart.com for their support of the podcast. And I will be back to wrap up the year here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. When you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. In a world filled with distractions, one law firm stands tall, fighting for justice. Bradshaw and Bryant. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. We take our mission very seriously. Our firm is dedicated to representing those who have suffered due to the fault of others, especially when they're distracted by their phones. Four seconds, that's all it takes to travel the length of a football field, but those same four seconds can change lives forever. Don't be the person who causes irreversible damage to others or yourself. Put your phone down when you're behind the wheel and be aware of your surroundings. Bradshaw and Bryant have championed the rights of the injured for over three decades. We excel at what we do. Bradshaw and Bryant is ready to fight for you. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Yes, it feels good. My leg is starting to feel better. My throat actually feels good, but it sounds like crap. <laughs> so I apologize for that. What am I going to do? What is, what is a what are you naysayers saying about my throat right now? <clears throat> well, anyway. <laughs> and if you know if you haven't figured out why I keep saying naysayer, some go search uh, the college football game day show and uh, Reese Davis puffing his chest out talking about the quarterback of Alabama's uh, gear sales which is called Lank and he thought he had something really great to deliver when he broke down the, the letters of Lank L-A-K I mean L-A-N-K and he went and and let a and he hit the and the rest of the crew literally ran off the stage laughing or out of fear because they thought he was about to drop the big in, big in, but he said naysayer, no. And then as they were trying to wipe tears from their face faces and. They were like, whoo, we thought it was about to go down. We thought this show was going to be done. Reese Davis finally caught on to what, what has been perpetrated on him and by everybody else by the use of the word naysayer by these entrepreneurial young men who changed the N-word to naysayer. So with that, I'll just finish things up by saying... The year 2023 in college athletics was a mess. 
Uh, but we enjoyed the roller coaster. And we look forward to the ro- roller coaster that will be in 2024 with changes in NIL coming, maybe huge payouts to athletes of the past coming, destroying the transfer portal coming, and maybe even, which has been hinted by Charlie Baker, just the schools buying the NIL rights of their athletes and paying them at least 30000 a year base and higher per athlete to ch- change things, get a hold of things, get calm things down, and God knows what else could be happening with conference realignment, with the ACC on the edge, and what the steps or downfalls that could happen, as I spelt out earlier, if that happens. Well, I hope you enjoyed your New Year's. I hope that you're ready for 2024. Happy New Year's, by the way. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Negro, black, African-American, black, black, black. Django, J.B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know J.B. Our great Negro sex machine.